Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way Podcast. I um, I started this podcast to talk about things that interest me, but also about things that I think I'm uncomfortable with, and I kind of want you to be uncomfortable with. Or maybe you're already uncomfortable with some of these topics, and I just want you to be a little bit more comfortable. Maybe that's what it is. And that's the situation of the kind of the what we're at today with today's guest. Um, I'm joined by someone I don't know in person, but we've met through Instagram, and um, I very much admired her work, uh, both in what she's doing um, with this particular topic, but also her work as a poet. I'm joined today by Sujan Ali. Sujan is a certified grief counselor and a poet uh, who lives in Canada. So welcome, Sujan. Thank you, Justin. It's nice to be here. Yeah. So how did you get here? I mean, this is an interesting intersection yeah. to, you know, a certified grief counselor. I I don't think I've ever talked to someone that's a certified grief counselor. And then <laughs> well, also a poet. How'd that happen? Yeah, I'm just going to correct it. It's a grief coach. So okay. it's a coaching certification, oh, which is very different. You. Like the, the, the umbrella of how many different types of categories of, you know, help or Thanks for uh, there is, yeah. yeah, no worries. Um, and I mean, I, how did I get here? Um, well, it was just a brief history of like, yeah, please. what happened, uh, in April of 2020, a month after the pandemic was declared, my mm -hmm. brother who is 45, uh, passed away, uh, mm -hmm. of COVID related complications. So mm -hmm. he was really young. Uh, it was within the first month of this new type of world that we were living in, right? That was very misunderstood, not understood at all. I don't think we ha even had the capacity to understand right. it at this point. And then this death happened that just created like this crazy situation. I mean, it was so big. He was so young because at first they were saying it was only affecting older people and, um, you know, not to worry, uh, stay inside. It has symptoms of a cold, like all of these things. And even when he told me he was sick, I, I, I just said, you know what, just stay inside, take care of yourself, drink a lot of fluids, just got worse and worse and worse. And I mean, when he died, it was all over the news. It was a big deal because he was one of the youngest people that died at this point. Right. Wow. So awful, yeah. um, absolute chaos and abnormality on every level. Mm -hmm. Um, and then came the aftermath of what we were living in. So for me, um, I had never experienced death at this level before people yeah. have died in my life. Right. Um, aunts, uncles, um, but this was profound for me just because mm. of how close he and I were, uh, he was a part of my entire life, not part entire, uh, mm. he was older than me. So, you know, one thing that I've always said is now I say it, grief is love. So grief really is proportionate to, I think the love that you feel for somebody here, um, so the grief is just as heavy, uh, if mm. not more as the mm. love that you carry for this person. So for me, it was just like a, a, a punch to the face. I, I don't know how else to say it. It was right. a punch to the face. And then the abnormality of COVID and restrictions, um, 
not having community, not yeah. having con conversation, not being able to be with loved ones, not to, uh, to be forced to be quiet. Yeah, right. Right. With all of that energy that is just just wanting to have a place to sit. Right. Um, it's almost like I self-combusted from right. the inside out. Right. Mm. So I mean, in one way, it was such a interesting experience because I don't know who I'd be if I had to process grief in a normal quote unquote world where mm -hmm. things were moving and COVID wasn't a part of it and life just had to move on. Right. Um, part of the grief process for me was really the world grieving at the same time. Right. Right. right? Heavens, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, that's really how I got here. I mean, it's been three years and I, <sighs> I, 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 you know, like I, I was, it, it was just so much like, I mean, the, the, the funeral, having only 10 people there haven't been told that we can't do this, or we can't do this. It just yeah. made it so abnormal. It was a very abnormal experience. It's hard to describe. Yeah. Exactly yeah. It and is. it's not, yeah. And, but I think what's inter interesting about that is that you took that experience and you know, this is something that people will deal with every day mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you, you harnessed it. Mm -hmm. You harnessed it with by getting this coaching certification. You, mm -hmm. you the work that you do with uh, as a as a grief support facilitator, mm -hmm. uh, and then in your poetry. And I think that's why I wanted to have you on because grief is one of these like Western civilization things that we don't do well. We don't do yeah. grief well, um, and there's a reason for it. It's not. You know, uh, uh, it's it's because in at least in North America or or U.S. and Canada, sometimes referred to as the Protestant work ethic, mm -hmm. and the um, and the fact that we're all if we're not indigenous, we're all immigrants, and that process of being an immigrant made grief a a thing you felt later because you were trying to stay alive, right. and I think we carry a lot of that process of grief with us. And this is why it's interesting to learn from um, what I would say non-white American mm. culture. So mm -hmm. uh, immigrants from, you know, all over the world and the grief practices and the grief processes like in Latin America, the day of the dead and that mm -hmm. kind of thing of revisiting mm -hmm. your loved ones and a celebration or, um, you know, I know in, in other, other cultures around the world, they have a different different ways of dealing with grief than we do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, and, and this is very near to me um, because my, uh, my, my son, Caden's partner, Madison, um, and I've talked about this several times on this podcast. She lost last March, March of 2022, her mom and dad and little sister in a plane crash. So sorry. And yeah, there's, thank you. And there's no, there's no, you know, grief is one of those things where there's no, you don't, you don't really get over it. Uh -uh. The way I described grief is, is that kind of grief when someone that you love dies, especially unexpectedly or mm -hmm. outside of the, you know, air quotes, normal way that we mm -hmm. you know, expect mm -hmm. everybody to die in their old age. Mm -hmm. It's like a big hole and the hole remains the same, but the edges get a little softer, maybe, yeah. you know, so it doesn't feel like you're cutting yourself on it every single day. Right. 
Right. Um, but so when we think about this, about grief and it's something, and I, you know, I haven't experienced the only sudden loss, like a, of death that I experienced of someone that, and that I felt like profound, like broken heartedness was that when I was a freshman in high school and a girl, a senior, Jennifer Gaith was her name. I had a crush on her and, mm. um, you know, I was a nerdy little 14 year old or 13 or 14 year old. And I said like, hi, I told her she looked nice one day. And she said, thank you. And that was the, my only interaction with her, but she committed suicide and I, I, it broke me for days. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so then I've had heartache, you know, I've lost the loss at the end of a marriage. And then there's the bittersweet grief of like your kids moving out, mm-hmm. um, or leaving an old part of your life behind and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. I think, so something my counsel, my counselor said to me, my therapist said to me a couple of years ago was, you know, grief and sorrow or grief and love are two sides of the same coin. Yes. And then there's yeah. uh, the Francis wheel quote, uh, grief and love are sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I wanted to start off with, uh, Sujan is what is the difference between grief and let's say sadness or sorrow? How do you, another way to ask this is how do you know you're grieving? What does it feel like compared mm. to sadness yeah. or depression? I, well, good question. Um, I would just like, just on bear going at it, I think sadness, I would describe as a feeling and feelings mm-hmm. are fleeting. They come mm-hmm. and go, right? And you experience different levels of them. Uh, whereas grief, I think, is the experience of the sadness, right? So mm-hmm. it's yeah, an all encompassing. Sorry, that's interesting. That's uh, an yeah, interesting it's, nuance. Yeah, it's an all encompassing experience of 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 the sadness and the love and and everything that has to do with the loss, really, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and it's like you said, grief is so taboo in our society it's it's not talked about and I think it's because we don't have language that supports it either and we don't really make an effort to support it with language we live in a society that wants to uh focus on happiness and focus on contentment and and Mm -hmm. and betterment without crossing over to the other side of that coin right Right. um And my experience has been in the last three years, I've kind of gone through an evolution of my grief where I can pinpoint certain points of my grief story as being very feeling-based and sadness. And like you said, the edges were really, really sharp, Mm. um, not understanding it. And the best analogy, I think, that describes my grief journey um, is, is that I had to allow it to take up residence inside of me. Mm-hmm. It was looking for a place to right. sit. Right. And the resistance of that was, I don't want it to be around me. I don't want it to be inside of me. Who do I become? Because like any foreign invader, right? You become a different person when something occupies your space. So right. your entire identity of who you are shifts and changes with the acceptance of grief, right? Mm -hmm. So grief is is the entire experience of loss. Sadness gives you 
you know, sadness is a feeling just like happiness could be or whatever. And Mm -hmm. it's just the fabric of life. Like you're going to feel these ebbs and flows of sadness and happiness. But grief, like love, is a genuine identity shifter. It's who you are. It's who you become. It makes you better. Like if you've loved really deeply a partner, somebody by Mm -hmm. choice, somebody that you've met, you've been in love, loving your children, if you have children, anything like that, you understand that that kind of love shifts you into a person that is different from the person you were prior to that, right? Grief Mm -hmm. is the exact same thing, right? So that's interesting. I I like that. Um, I'm working on this idea that we have, let's call them existential feelings, like uh anxiety is an existential feeling you know mm-hmm. uh, we know that when you are actually in danger you don't feel anxious you feel you, mm-hmm. you don't even really feel afraid you feel very focused yeah um and so we have a bunch of those and we we, we call them feelings but they're really thoughts about feelings mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. disappointment is in there and, and they're not bad some of them are just mm-hmm. normal parts of being human but then there's so there, there's existential feelings then they're essential feelings. And I don't think there are that many. Mm-hmm. Love, grief, jealousy sometimes, mm-hmm. hate. Mm-hmm. Hate. There's a such thing as clean hate. I know that's a word that sounds weird to say, but there's yeah. a clean kind of hate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could go down the line. And what it is, is like, I love what you said about it. It's an identity. It's because, um, you know, an existential feeling is something that f- you feel it. Um, and, 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 and unless you really are struggling with some mental health issues, you don't really identify with it. It's just something you feel. I feel sad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you feel something like grief, it is, feels like it's coming from your very being, your very mm-hmm. essence. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of our society set up and this kind of goes into our second question a little bit, but, um, a lot of our society is set up to feed the existential feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, pleasure is an existential feeling. Um, uh, uh, being offended is an existential feeling. Right. Um, and so the other thing that is is that, um, you know, sadness. If you look at it, uh, it's a, if it's a coin, the other side of sadness would be like apathy, maybe. Yeah. But the other side of grief is not happiness; it's love, as mm-hmm. as we talked about. And um, so, yeah, that's my take. So let, let's go ahead and get into the second question, because I think this is a big part of where we're at in our in mm-hmm. society, especially in, in Canada and the U.S., is, is what is what is some of the, or how is social conditioning? So social conditioning would be familial and community cultures, media, um, the influence of the big influencers of western life which is Mm -hmm. government religion politics or government religion education and corporations Mm -hmm. um how have those institutions and those cultural containers influenced how we understand and experience grief oh that's a that's a good one and it's a heavy question (laughs) (laughs) um well it's hard it's hard to talk about. It's difficult. We don't like having difficult conversations because it hurts us, right? right. Grief is extremely difficult. There is no media and, and all of these different institutions have created grief to be something 
that is the end all and be all. But what mm-hmm. is there on the other side of grief is for me spiritual existence, you know? Oh, okay. Um what for me like what I've experienced is uh a better version of who I am, mm-hmm. a different version of who I am, a deeper version of who I am. And I think these institutions, like if you look at the media, it's amazing. We are obsessed with tragedy. It is everywhere. I mean, we talk about it. We are anything that's happening out there that is remotely tragic in essence, we are obsessed with, right? But we, I think societally are just really afraid to go one step beyond that, which is the processing of that tragedy. What does that do to a human being? I've always said with with my background in grief and really doing a grief coaching course or program for me was more about having certain feelings inside of me and creating some theoretical knowledge behind it, right? Understanding it from a theoretical base. um, So I could explain to myself what these feelings actually were manifesting, what was happening inside of me, what was happening externally to the world around me. And I, I, one thing that I came up with, I was like, oh my gosh, I just feel like everybody is walking around grief stricken and broken hearted. Mm-hmm. This right. is what it is. It breaks my heart. So it's, it's, it's difficult because I don't think we have the language to support it. Number one. And I don't think we've given enough weight to it. And right. when you don't have the language that supports a particular experience, right. And you don't have the knowledge base well, there's nowhere to go, right? Like we as a society just need to start talking about it more. Right. We need to start talking about it because really what grief needs, grief is screaming inside of us, asking us to talk about it. We right. we really need to give it um, the value that it deserves, like love, right? Right. This happened. This existed. This mm-hmm. person mattered. I loved them. Mm-hmm. They loved me. And now they're gone. And I'm Mm -hmm. left with this. I think I wrote a poem about this um, that said, I don't know what to tell you about grief. I just know that I, I, I got acquainted with it and I decided to sit here for a while. Right. With the, with the, and my brother's name was Jamal um, with this Jamal sized hole in the universe. Right. Right. And that's really what it is. Your universe it, it, we live in a world where our lives are an entire universe and the people that occupy it matter so much. So when this person, like someone passes, yeah, it, it's right. so massive. And the fact that we don't talk about it, I think is why there's so many other issues in our society, right? right? With respect right. to, uh, res- it's the resistance of grief that actually right. is creating a lot of the, the problems that we're seeing, I think. Right. right? Yeah. So. And you, and you think about um, indigenous cultures and, and not just indigenous cultures, but in the, especially in the United States, but cultures around the world had a, you know, they had rites of passage and they had rite of passage for death, you know, mm-hmm. so, and, and they had a rite of passage for the death of a, a warrior or someone yeah. or death of a child like that mm-hmm. was part of, it was in, embedded in the, the culture. And we don't really have, have those we have memorials uh-huh. and funerals and you know but we don't really we don't really do that and my theory is this is 
um, to pretend to to convince to to pretend to buy into the pretense that you're going to live forever is a hell mm-hmm. of a business model. Mm. Um, it changes, you know, especially in a very consumer based culture like we have in the U.S. Right. Um, there's an element of there is an element like well you know you can't take it with you so it creates ex- excess and mm-hmm. and but I think that this is my theory, Susan, that if, if we're going to have a conversation an honest conversation about grief, we have to have an honest conversation about a lot of other things that people don't really want to talk about. Yeah. Um, and that could be it, it down to like a familial era at level where they don't really like the person they're with, or they don't get mm-hmm. along with their kids or, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, everything's not all shiny and happy and unicorn farts and rainbows on Instagram. Right. It's like right. There's shit going on. Yeah. And most people don't want to have that conversation. And then at a cultural, a, a community level, um, that there's a, that we have to have a conversation about, um, the binary nature of how life has been presented to us is mm-hmm. mostly an illusion. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, we don't need much of what we think we need, or as, as my, my partner, Virginia talks about in her work, she says that says that we don't, we think we think, but what we're doing is we're thinking what we were told to think. Um, you know, there's, and, and I think, I think you start pulling on and grief is so present like here it is. And then I would add this too, is that's why you hear platitudes, mm-hmm. especially religious platitudes, which I think are extra gross, frankly, mm-hmm. like I know what they're in mean. a better place, you know, well, fuck that. They're not in a better place. Cause they're not here. Yeah. You know? And so I think it's, I think it's so not even insensitive. It's just stupid. Um, and, but where's that come from? It comes from this idea that grief is something you need to get over so you can get back to living mm-hmm. and living though, isn't all that interesting and good and fulfilling mm-hmm. the people I know that know grief well have lived well. Yeah. And it goes back to what the Stoics referred to as momentum mori to remember you will die. And I yeah. think that if we all have this memory today is it, this is it tomorrow's an illusion you're going to see things so much differently. I mean, I yes. do this, everyone I love, I try to see them in that moment as if I may not get to see them again mm-hmm. because I may not, or, or saying something, don't leave things unsaid. It's a ritual that I've had over the years um, with my, my, my former partner that uh, Lena and then now Virginia as we, is that, is there anything that needs to be said before we, before I leave on a trip or something, you mm-hmm. know, by myself, like if we're going to be mm-hmm. apart for a while, what needs to be said? Because if you don't get, if, if something happens, you don't get to say it, whether it's, you want to complain about something or you want to confess something, or you just want to say, I love you again. Yeah. Um, we don't really have kind of this hallmark approach to, we do it with love too. this hallmark approach to grief. So. Anyway, I could go on and on, but I wanted to, I, I wanted to talk about, you know, as a grief coach and as a poet, what are some effective ways to process grief or to be in it? I don't like the word process, but I didn't know a better mm-hmm. one to use. What are yeah, some ways I mean, that you, as you're coaching someone or as you're, as you're writing your poetry, what are, what are some ways that you think that people can learn from you about how to do this? So I think with acceptance, there has to be an internal like switch of acceptance. Number one, there has to be 
um, there has to be a desire to want to sit with it, right? I mean, for me, it was intense feelings and not like the feelings were so intense that I started having physical symptoms to the sure. group, right? Started having panic attacks, started having like anxiety attacks, things that I had never really had before. Um, so when my physical body started giving these clues into how deep this pain actually goes, that it like manifested in my physical space, mm. you know, there was nothing else to do because it scared me. Like mm. I, th this is what scared me. It wasn't like the grief scared me. It's the the fact that my physical body couldn't handle it. Right. What I have mm. control over. Um, so there's a genuine like. So for me, what I what I, I can. So I'll tell you what I did and then I'll yeah. tell you what some of my coaching um, sure, the, the program uh, tells us. But what I did was, I mean contacted my doctor, doctor prescribed medication, refused to take medication for myself because I wanted to see if I could just go through it. Yeah. I incorporated routine and structure into my life. Routine and structure are really important um, for any type of loss or pain that you're going through. Uh, for me, it was meditating. For me, it was stretching my body. For me, it's going for walks. Um, you touched on something that felt so organic for me when you said you see things differently in the world I started seeing flowers the the mm. birth and death of like plants and trees mm. in different ways I found poetry in sunsets I I found colors beautiful it it, it was phenomenal so for me it was going to a place inside of myself that mm. helped me process my grief right yeah. but from a coaching perspective and the reason why it's it's a really important distinction between therapy like grief therapy mm -hmm. or grief counseling and grief coaching is grief therapy grief counseling which I did too shortly after the death that I had experienced um goes backwards in time it's about processing right. like occurrences that have happened Coaching right. is really forward moving. Right. And I feel right. like grief has a, 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 m many people in grief. It's the forward moving that becomes right. difficult, right? Wow. So it's the getting up every day, going for a walk, going to work. We're talking about simplistic things. Like I'm, I'm not going to even gauge into the more difficult things, right? right? Some days brushing your teeth is really difficult to do. You are that consumed and that weighted by the grief and the sadness and the sorrow. Um, so what, what I loved about the coaching aspect was helping people move forward from where they were um, with realistic plans, realistic uh, goals, right? So it's about small goals leading to feelings of achievement and movement. And in the process of that, just giving grief, the grief, the loss that you've experienced a really um, important place in, in the world, being present with people, um, being present in your grief, allowing people to be present in their yeah. grief. Um, rituals, journaling is a huge part of, of, you know, processing grief and accepting grief, right? Getting those mm. thoughts and feelings outside of your head 
rereading those thoughts and feelings to understand what you're going through, to understand what this loss means to you. So, I mean, those are some things, but um, it's such an individual journey as well, right? right? And I developed a real empathy for our society at the same time. I think it's really easy to get angry because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this person said this horrible thing to me. Right, As right. I told them, like, you know, I'm just having a bad day because, you know, it's it's just a bad grief day, right? And mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, you know, just, just it'll be over soon or, or something, right. you know? And it's right. just, people don't, and, and this is what I mean, people don't have the language. And you know what, in a, in a strange way, it's like, I, I wish we were more versed in talking about grief. But mm-hmm. what I've learned is that it's really difficult to become versed in talking about grief without mm-hmm. looking at grief, without looking right. at your own grief. So right. how do you expect as a society to help each other out? For, for My right. husband's no exception. Like he was in my space. He hadn't suffered grief like I had. Right. And half the time I wanted to just throw my hands up in the air. Cause I was like, what are you saying to me? You know, right. he didn't know. Because it's just don't, because... don't, yeah. It, oh. It's so personal. And yeah, I think that's, I think, you know, I don't, I mean, you're, I don't, I haven't experienced that kind of grief uh, directly, you know, mm-hmm. obviously grieving for Madison and Caden and Madison's family, but um I would, I would say though, so I don't, I can't talk to it in the sense of what I did because my grief has been much more like relationship grief, like in mm-hmm. terms of relationships. And, um, but here's what I do know is that is let people feel their feelings, let people grieve. Don't try to talk them out of it. Don't, mm-hmm. don't try to, I mean, this is a general rule of thumb in American or North American society is stop trying to change what other people feel. Just encourage them to be in the feeling, whatever it is, just be in it. Um, and the other thing is, is examine what you're saying. Because if most of the time when we want to say something to comfort someone, that's the stated intention is to comfort them. Really what we're trying to do is comfort, comfort our own uncomfortableness with the topic mm-hmm. of death. Mm-hmm. And so I just encourage people, please check your intention. To make yeah. sure that you are trying to say a word in season that's comforting, and the other thing is, is don't avoid it. Um, I have learned um, so much because I never got to meet Madison's parents or her little sister. I got, but I learned about them. I feel like I know them mm-hmm. because we have given her lots of space to tell stories, and that's part of it. Is mm-hmm. that's part of that process? I think of you know, that, that, that sort of ritualistic structure, storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, mm-hmm. you know, you take journaling or poetry or painting storytelling is, is a big, big part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, I think what, what, what I would also say here, I just kind of sitting with how to say this, because I want to be very clear is do not project your relationship with death on someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, it's intensely personal. And so if you're like, don't really have all your feel, you're not in touch with your feelings and mm-hmm. you think that then therefore that's the way that someone else should do it. So they need to move on or get over it or, you mm-hmm. know, get through it. You know, I do know this, 
on those big emotions, the the in the um, essential emotions. If you do not feel them, they won't teach you anything. They and this is yeah. It is I, one of the things I constantly say is let the feelings teach you. Let the feelings yes. teach you what they need to teach you because they are here. For and a sometimes they're here for a reason. And sometimes I think with grief is that that feeling of grief is to teach you what is actually important. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what and, and it teaches you to be bold. Yeah. Um, interestingly, um, I was playing the Tim McGraw song, Live Like You Were Dying the other day. Um, okay. Just as a, because I hadn't listened to it in a while. And Virginia's uh, new to country music. She had never really listened to it until me. And so it was like, this is a classic kind of 90s or 2000s country song. And, um, and, I, and I listened to it. It's the first time I've listened to it in this era that I'm in now. And I found myself sort of slightly disagreeing with it. Mm. If I was dying and I knew I was dying and the thing that I would live like I'm dying is I'm not going to go skydiving or bull riding or, you know, that I'm going to do what the Cody Johnson song until you can't, uh, which is another awesome song. I'll link to both of these songs in the show notes. Yeah, sure. But it's until you can't, which is make that phone call, spend that time, buy that present for somebody. You know, that's the thing. It's like, if you're going to live, like, this is to me, if you're going to live like you're dying, do it in service to others mm-hmm. uh, and indulgence to yourself. Not that you shouldn't indulge, you know, a little bit of uh, hedonism now and again is pretty fun. But uh, if to truly live like you were dying is to do it in service to others without any hesitation, without insecurity, with this bold, brash, not brash, but bold and brave expression of love to the mm-hmm. people in your life. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Including it doesn't your... mean that you're going to grieve less, but I think it would be different. I think you would grieve differently if you live like that. Yeah, but also to be a service to yourself. I think the biggest right. conflict for me that I still haven't really got gotten to understand and I'm still working through it is that the person I've become after this experience is is someone I like better. Like, I feel like now looking back, I can put a clear dividing line in the sand from who I was to who I've become. And I like this person. And why I say this is a conflict is because it's a direct result, I believe, of my brother's loss. Losing my brother was losing my childhood. I I would tell people, imagine trying to walk through a new earth with one limb gone. This is what I'm trying to do. I am reborn. I am new. I'm learning how to walk again. Yeah. I I don't know how to express it in any different way. This is, I think, what grievers of really immense loss feel is, is that they are rebirthed and they are trying to now learn how to walk and right. navigate a world that looks so unfamiliar to them. Right. And and trying to find a place with all of the wisdom and knowledge of, of a life that they have lived, but doesn't quite fit in this new, you know, part of a part of new world. Right. right? Yeah. Um so a service to yourself as well, because I feel like when you can be of service to yourself by giving yourself time 
to sit with grief, to mm. not resist it, to give it a voice, to allow it to be. We, we focus so much on love. We are just gasping in it. We are bathing yeah. in it, right? Yeah. But grief really demands the same thing. Right. And when you when you are able to do that, um, and this is what I hope to do with my writing and I hope to do with my coaching is right. give people and allow people a space for their grief and kind of hold their hand through it. Um, yeah. You you allow it to flourish. There's beauty behind that. Yeah. There is. And, and then when you can be of service to yourself and become this version of yourself that you really like because you've been able to go from one end of the spectrum to the other with respect to pain and happiness, mm -hmm. then you really, I, I feel like then you can really be of service to others, right? right. And, yeah. and really give unto that, um, uh, unto that right. part of the yeah. world, right? Yeah. And I think learning from you and others, you know, I learned, really learned about grief later in life. I learned about grief from my former business partner, Emily, who had, uh -huh. um, around the time we met had recently, and a few, it was a few years prior to us meeting, lost her mom, um, to illness. Um, and she was quite young, uh, when she passed and watching Emily grieve and how she felt that. And this is true with a lot of, I mean, she, she was the first person I think that I'd ever met that felt all of her feelings mm -hmm. you know, so openly and express in an expressive way. And that made a big, big indelible mark on me, you know, of learning about that kind of grief. And, and I think it's like, we're going to have to grieve at some point and it's, you know, get, go, it's, it's almost like go about learning how to do a little bit of it. Now look for the teachers, mm -hmm. look for people that, that are, it's similar to, you know, some of us, like in my case, uh, we had to go find other models for what what love looked like because the models that we had close to us were not safe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think I think grief is like that too. We have to find models. Yeah. We have to, and I would encourage people to go and look at the way indigenous cultures mm -hmm. um, process grief because that is, you know, that is there's there's things to learn from that. So. Yeah. I mean, talking about it is so important. That's one thing I did. And it was an homage to my brother, but I yeah. wrote about grief a lot on my social yeah. media handle. And and it was a way for me to process my grief. Right. But I wrote thoughts, it, you know, you call some of the posts that you musings, like they were right. my musings, right? right. And um I started getting a following and I did it monthly at the the ever the anniversary, and I did it for the first 12 mm -hmm. months. And wow. I, I actually reflected on it today, like I was reading them and I really saw the evolution of my grief and my thoughts mm -hmm. when it came to the loss. And it was a really beautiful thing. And what I found, what and connection is so important. And what I loved was how many people connected with me on social yeah. media and saying, right. you know, thank you for giving a voice to my grief because I didn't know how to say it. And I was like, well, yeah. I didn't, I, I'm literally just doing this for myself. I need right. it. I need this energy to come out somewhere. And this is where I've chosen to come, come out. And yeah. poetry was the same thing. It was like using language to, to formulate some sort of peace within the chaos. It, it was absolute chaos inside. Right. That's, that's yeah. like just floating pain yeah. all around. Yeah. I, I, I heard grief described once as being attacked by bees from the inside. Mm -hmm. It's just this constant storm 
of pain. And yeah. it's interesting too, because the brain processes physical pain and emotional pain, the same part of the brain. Mm. So you talk about like your body, you know, the somatic aspect of it. Um, well, thank you for having this conversation. I think it is very necessary. Um, and I'll link to your stuff in the show notes. I encourage everyone to please go read Sujan's uh, poetry. It's really quite beautiful. Oh, and, um, and thank you for the work that you're doing out there, you know, and that how you're taking this tragic thing and people are going to know your brother because of what you're doing. Thank you. You know, people like me that I've never, I never met you. And obviously I didn't meet him I, through your poetry and through this work you're doing, we're going to know who he was. Yeah. And that's, that's a, there's not much of a bigger tribute than that. No, it's no substitute for him not being here, but it's a tribute to him not be, you know, it's a tribute to him and what right. that you're able to do this. So thank you. And I mean, one thing to say to anybody yeah. listening who's going through grief, it, it's just that it's talk about it, give space to it. The person that you lost mattered and they existed yeah. and right. they, they, they deserve to be spoken about. You are the keeper of all the stories left. Right. right? And yeah. so, yeah. Well, it's wonderful. Okay. you just prompted something <laughs> uh, in me is that it's also important to understand that it's kind of like Mother's Day and Father's Day. Mm. Is that's not a happy day for people forever. No, no. If you lost your mother or your father, that's not a happy day. But if you have a if, if this is another thing about the kind of grief that people experience, sometimes they're grieving because they didn't have a chance to actually have a relationship. Right. So their mother or father or sibling or somebody passes sooner than anticipated and they mm -hmm. and, there was, and, and and they it's this oh it's there's the the wound of them missing mm -hmm. is the wound of the potentiality of the of an unfulfilled un, an unborn or un uh, an, uh, a stunted relationship mm -hmm. that's its own grief and so when you're grieving you you want to understand that you know yeah. what kind of grief is it but also again I'm speaking more to talking to people that have had a loss is before you go give somebody condolences, make sure they actually like the person first, because maybe their grief is they're grieving the, 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 not the absence of the person they're grieving mm -hmm. the death of a potential relationship. Yeah. Or, um, or, the, and usually it's both, right. It's, or maybe it's both, and, yeah. and plus more, like, yeah. I mean, it, let's say you did have a relationship with the person on the other side of the spectrum, right. And they, like my brother did, he died young. So what you're not missing is just the person. You're missing yeah. an entire life that you would have had. You're grieving right. a life that you would have had with this person in the in your space still. You're yeah. missing the entire story of their future or what right. could have been or would have been. And right. it only gets further complicated and painful when going to what you were saying with respect to having a difficult relationship or having right. the absence or somebody who was very young. Who, right. who never really got to know their parent as an adult or yeah. somebody who could remember. Right. Um, yeah. There's so many layers and that's the thing about grief. It's so, it's so multifaceted um, and there's so many different layers um, to kind of peel back like an onion. Right. right. And, mm -hmm. and it does start with one. It starts with looking at the pain and your own pain and really just giving yourself permission right? Because the moment you give yourself permission, you create permission for everyone around you. And then yeah. from a societal perspective, it, this is how we become better as a society yeah. to talk about this topic. That's so, it, it's so painful and it's so difficult, but it's so necessary 
right. think. Right. So that is a perfect, that's a perfect place to end. Yeah. Like you, you nailed it. It's a great summary. So thank you yeah. for doing this. I'll repeat my thank you. Thank <laughs> and, you uh, for having me. And you're welcome.